time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test Know yeah. We're kicking off a new series uh, this week. Uh, it'll be going for the entire month of January. The name of the series is Faith Driven Finances. Uh, and so today I want to kick off a sermon entitled uh, uh, Faith Driven Giving. And today I'm going to talk a bit about tithes and offering. Talk a little bit about tithes and offering. I do this every year and uh, I tend to try to kick off the year. First of all, getting us straight in this area of tithes and offerings, um, because like for me, I, I don't like to throughout the year have to come back and and re-talk about the subject of, of, of money specifically giving. And so I like to just set the tone beginning of the year. Let's talk about what we need to talk about. Let's set the tone on, on the giving and the expectations and then challenge everybody. And then we do our thing for the course of the year. And, uh, and you guys always respond to it. So, so let's, let's jump right in. Faith-driven finances. Today's sermon will be faith-driven giving. I want to raise an important question. What drives your finances? What, what is the central principle or the motivating force or factor that informs how you deal with money? What is the central thing that that determines how you think about money, how you spend money, how you save money? This month, I want to take us on a little bit of a journey. I want to take us down this path of discovering what it means to have our finances driven by our faith. Now, not not driven by faith in a sense of blindly believing instead of planning what you are going to do with your money. No, no, but by faith-driven finances, I mean driven by the principles of your Christian faith. In short, what I want to dig into is the question, how does what I believe about God impact how I deal with money? And so to start off this series today, I, I want to deal with this, uh, this aspect of tithes and offering. Now, I got to be honest with you that this is simultaneously my most and least favorite sermon of the year. It, it's my least favorite because whenever I talk about giving money to the church, I would say that I, like many of my contemporaries, feel the full weight of the centuries of church financial abuse. And I got to admit that given that legacy, I tend to try to tread lightly around the subject. But but on the flip side, I would have to say that it's my favorite sermon of the year because it is a sermon wherein I challenge people in ways that have that I've seen them increase their devotion and their dependence on God. I've seen people change their outlook on money and, and I've even witnessed people unleash the discipline and the blessings of tithing on them and their family. So let's go. We, we're going to jump right into it. We will talk about tithes. We will talk about offerings today because 
I will say that so many of us have committed to being better with our money in 2022 and we're making plans and we've decided that we're going to save more and we've decided that we're going to level up to increase our income and we're going to invest our money and start investing wisely and some of us are planning to pay off debt. All of those good things people are planning to do and I will say that I want to hit on most of that this month but, but I think that it is important to start with tithes and offerings because you can't get ahead by putting God behind. Let, let me say that again. I think it's important for us to start with tithes and offerings because you cannot get ahead by putting God behind. That, that is why I'm calling this series Faith Driven Finances. Let, let's look at Leviticus uh, chapter 27, verse 30. I, I'm going to be reading this from the Christian, um, from the contemporary English version. It says in verse 30, 10% of everything you harvest is holy and belongs to me. This is God speaking, whether it grows in your fields or on your fruit trees. I want to also read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for believers, for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than what we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do, just as God wanted them to do. Tithes and offerings, I want to say, serve three purposes that I want to spend a few minutes with y'all today talking about. I think it's a fairly straightforward sermon. The first purpose that I see that tithes and offerings uh, play um, is that they play a spiritual purpose. They play a spiritual purpose. So in the Old Testament, when God institutes the command to tithe, God institutes it as an act of worship. And for the Hebrews that receive this command from God, this commandment from God regarding tithing, this is not a foreign idea to them. This is not a foreign notion at all, right? Tithing is something that would have been practiced not just among the Hebrews, but tithing is something that would have been practiced among many of the tribes and nations around them who were worshiping other deities. Uh, the instruction was that 10% of everything that they harvested belonged to the Lord, that, that it was holy and was to be set aside and to be taken to the priest. Now, I want us to slow down for a minute here on this text. Notice that it says that it belongs to the Lord. Let, let's, let's go back and look at it in, in verse number uh, 30 of Leviticus chapter 27. It says 10% of everything you harvest is holy and watch this belongs to me. I, I want us to park there for a moment because the question was not whether or not it was God's, right? The question was not whether or not it belonged to God. Instead, the question was whether they were going to run God what belonged to God. When I was growing up, my, my grandmother was a church pianist and she was also in charge of the junior choir at the church. 
Every week we would have this, we would have our choir rehearsal and, and we also uh, had to pay our dues at the choir rehearsal. Our dues were $1. So grandma would collect that money and, and at the end of the month, grandma would turn in the whole month's junior choir dues collection. She turned that into the church. She, she used to keep that money in an envelope in her top drawer. It was full of singles and fives because there were so many of us in the choir and it would actually end up being a decent amount of money by the end of the month, especially by 1989 standards. But 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 that money that was in that envelope, that, that was in that top drawer, that was in her bedroom did not belong to my grandmother. Yeah, it, it was in her house. It was in her room. It, it was in her space, but it was not hers. Yeah, it, it was in her possession, but it didn't belong to her. When I think about that envelope that I can still see in my mind, in my grandmother's drawer, I, I think about the tenth of what I have. I, I think about the harvest that the Lord has blessed my family with and, and the tenth of that harvest may be in our bank account. It may be in our bank, but, but the truth of the matter is just like my grandmother's envelope, it does not belong to us. Yeah, that money belongs to the Lord. It, it is it is holy whether or not we bring it to God or not, whether or not we bring it to the church or not, it belongs to God. And so when we give to God, when we give God what is due God, we are effectively engaging in worship. Yeah, just like when we give God the praise that is due to God, we are worshiping. But when we give God the thanks that is due to God, we are worshiping. When we engage in bringing the tithe that is due to God, we are worshiping in the same way. When we give God the money that belongs to God, we are worshiping. So tithing, tithing has a spiritual purpose. It is a form of worshiping the God that you serve. But let me say to you also that, that for some of you that, that, that does amount to a big tithe, but might I remind you that you also serve a big God. Not only do tithes and offerings serve a, a spiritual purpose, but let me say to you secondly that they serve, serve a practical purpose. Yep. In the two passages that I shared, uh, Leviticus 27 and 30 and 2 Corinthians uh, 8, 1 through 5, there's a lot of practical stuff that's going on. But when you dig into the context, you really start to see this practical stuff that is happening. In Leviticus, arrangements are being made for the upkeep of the tabernacle and its affairs. A uh, quick uh, history lesson to give y'all real quick. Uh, uh, the Levites are one of the 12 tribes of Israel. That They are not given an apportionment of land like the other 12 tribes have been given. The reason that they were not given land like the other 12 tribes were given is because instead of cultivating land, the Levites were to be cultivating the souls of the people. 
that they were to be a tribe of the priests, they were to be a tribe of singers and, and the teachers of the law, that they were to be the ones that were to be focused daily on all things that were related to worship and to maintaining the tabernacle and, and, and later the temple and to burning the sacrifices and burning the incense. This was their daily work. And so the way that they and their families ate and cared for themselves is that the rest of the community, those who were given land to cultivate and to make a living for themselves and their families, those people in the community brought a tenth of what they cultivated from their land. They brought it to the tabernacle or later the temple. And it was out of that that the Levites and their families could eat and take care of themselves and, and that they could take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. That There was in essence a very practical purpose for the tithe. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, there's a practical purpose for the offering that's being collected. Uh, Paul there is collecting money to aid the poor, the those that are famished Jewish Christians in Jerusalem that are suffering from a famine. Paul is collecting money. He is taking up a collection from among the Gentile churches that he had founded. That now do understand that here in 2 Corinthians, these are not tithes. That this is a special offering that, that Paul is taking up. And, and while it is from a spiritual perspective, indeed worshiping God, it, it is actually beyond that. It is there to meet a very present and practical need that the church is dealing with, that the church is suited to deal with, and that is poverty relief. Paul is, in essence, raising money like we do through our community fund. He is collecting offerings to provide relief or a hand up to those that are in need. And let me just say parenthetically that this has been the legacy of the church for two millennia and the hallmark of the black church since the 1700s. Back then, they were creating what they would call mutual aid societies that would function as safety nets for everybody in the church. Yes, one individual by themselves can fall. Yes, one family left alone to themselves and to the winds and waves of chances and the world can fall. But when you've got a hundred other families in a congregation, in a church community with you that says, if one fall, the other 99 help to lift them up then you have this kind of mutual aid that functions that says that nobody will fall because there's always others of us that are there to help lift them up. This has been the hallmark of the church. Yeah, let me say there is a practical purpose to giving. We see in Leviticus that the tithe supports the work of the church. In Leviticus, the tithe supports the workers of the church. In Leviticus, the tithe supports the poor. And in 2 Corinthians, we see also that the tithe supports the poor. And let me say to you as well that there are other examples that I could give from Scripture, whether we want to go Old Testament and look at other times that offerings were given, that they were not only given to support the poor, but they were given for things like supporting building projects, whether it is the building of the temple or the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. It is all sorts of different ways where the collective capital of the people is brought together to accomplish a common purpose. In short, what I'm hoping to paint here is a picture that there are very 
practical purposes that tithes and offerings play within the church. Around here at City Point, we don't mail any money to heaven. Let me say to you that the money plays a very practical purpose. In 2021, we didn't mail a single dime to heaven, but we mail money for rent so that we could have a place to gather, so, so that we could have a safe, comfortable environment for our kids to learn about God, so that we could have a place to record, to be able to put together our digital ministry. That's what we did in 2021. In 2021, we didn't mail any money to heaven, but, but we mailed payroll checks every week. We, we mail payroll to our dozens of staff and contractors who make it their business every single day or for others of them every single week to do the big work and the little work that needs to be done to make this ministry run. We didn't mail any money to heaven in 2021, but we zelled money to members who needed it. And we bought a vehicle for a member who needed one. We didn't mail any money to heaven, but we bought food to feed the formerly incarcerated at the bridge. Yes, tithes and offerings serve a spiritual purpose, but they also serve a very practical purpose. Let me say to you that we were the church that we were in 2021 because you bought into that practical purpose. You bought into the idea that you will commit to bringing your tithe that belongs to God. You will commit to bringing the offering to contribute your part to the pot rather than leaving it to other people. Because of you, we were able to do the transformational and meaningful ministry here at City Point because you bought in. Let me hurry this thing along and say, thirdly, tithes and offerings serve an emotional purpose. They serve an emotional purpose. Yes, yeah, some people have money. And for some people, I figured out that money has them. Some people can more easily part ways with people than they can with money. And real talk, that is particularly among us that grew up struggling a little bit. That there is a deep emotional attachment that some of us have with money. And let me say to you that the practice of giving will break that stuff up. Let's look again at that second Corinthians text. Second Corinthians uh, I think it's chapter eight, verse one. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but also far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. What we see out of these Macedonians is that they had a different relationship with with money. The text says that, that they gave out of their poverty willingly, excitedly, thankful, grateful for the chance, for the opportunity 
to be able to give to other people that had needs. They had needs of their own. The text says that they were poor. But, but they were excited to give because others had a need. Yet yeah, th their emotions seemed to be more wrapped up in who they could help rather than how much money they could hold. Let me say that again. Their emotions seem to be more wrapped up in who they could help than in how much money they could hold. And this, according to the Bible, is because of one major thing, their faith. That, that their faith was driving their finances, that their faith was, was motivating how they responded with their money, that there was something about how they perhaps reflected on all that God had done for them, the, the, the spiritual blessing that God had given to them and the material blessing, albeit meager, that God had given to them. And because of that, that they were just driven, just overflowed, just naturally poured over into wanting to give for other people. Yeah, that, that, that is the emotional purpose of giving. It is to break up this hardness of heart that many of us have where we hold on to money so tight. And I don't know if you've noticed it before, but, but you're holding on to money tight has not gotten you where you want to be because for some of you, you're holding it tight and still got more month than money at the end of the month and struggle with being able to make ends meet. Let, let me tell you something that, that my pastor growing up said to me is that that said to us in our congregation, it, it was that when you've got a closed hand, yes, you can't get nothing out, but also God can't get nothing in. And for some of us, the reason that we constantly function in lack is because we are not generous when it comes to our giving. That's right. God uh, has two types of people. There are people who are willing to be channels and there are people that are only willing to be dams. The, the reality is a dam is just what it is. It is there to contain what is there. It will keep the water from flowing out. It will keep water from breaching. It will keep the water from moving beyond its boundaries. And for some of us, our, the way we function with our money is that we are simply dams, but then others are channels. Channels are different than dams. How so? Uh, channels of water are, 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 are streams that allow water to flow from one body to the next. That is their function. It, it accepts water from one body and then it channels that water over to another body of water. I have made up in my mind that I want to be a channel of blessing so that God can send resources through me send resources to me because he knows that he can get them through me and that I will be a constant flow of his blessings to his church, to his people in need, to anybody that that crosses my path that needs to be blessed, that needs to be helped because God has blessed me. I can be a blessing to other. The question that I leave you with today is, are you going to be a channel or a dam in 22? Uh, is your focus uh, just going to be about leveling up so that you can have more money so that you can stun on these fools? Or is it more than that? I just talked about a lot of ways that we 
blessed people in 2021. Were you a part of that? And if not, why not? Why was it okay that some people gave of their abundance and lack and you didn't participate? And my question is, will you do differently in 2022? Yeah. Those, for those of you that are rocking out with City Point, you've been a part of this enough to know that you have found something different here. And that's the reason that a lot of you are here, because you have found the church that you believe keeps it 100. You have found a pastor that you believe keeps it 100. You, you found that, but, but, but yet and still, this community that you love, this this organization that you believe in, you're willing for other people to carry the load and not do your share. Why? What is it about your relationship with money that would cause you to say, I'm good with that? You see, I want to push us and say that that's not community. What community looks like is if we all get together for a barbecue and we meet up at the park, at the beach, wherever. So somebody brings the grill and somebody gets there early to set it up and, and to warm it up and, and light the fire and all of that. And, and, and somebody brings, uh, brings the, the chicken wings and somebody brings the steak and, and somebody brings the, the, the shrimp kebabs. Somebody brings, if you go on fancy, somebody brings the salmon. So somebody brings the pop. Somebody brings the beer. Somebody brings some cases of water. No, it's not just a few people that bring everything for the barbecue. Everybody got to bring a little something according to their ability. Somebody's got to bring the potato salad. Somebody's got to bring the salad. Everybody brings their their part to it. And, and that that's what tithing is. It, it is about everybody bringing the, their part. The, the, the millionaire and the person that, that is below the poverty level are not bringing the same thing, but everybody's bringing their part. That, that's what's going to make not just City Point continue to thrive. That's going to make church across the world be able to not just survive, not just thrive, but even be able to survive. I, I want to say this last thing and I, I'll get off my soapbox. I, I want to say this to millennials and I want to say this to Gen Z and I, I want y'all to hear me well. If we want these institutions to be here for our children, we will have to take care of them. The church of Jesus Christ cannot be carried into perpetuity by boomers in living off of retirement and social security. It's, it's, it's our turn. We, we got, we got next. In some cases we got now and we will have to do deep soul searching to ask ourselves, what are the things that are, that are important to us? And if these institutions, whether it's city point, whether it's another church, if these things are important to us, if we truly are blessed and benefited by what we receive from them, and the fact that we can receive without having to pay in exchange for it. It's always there. The sermons are there. The community to love on us is there. The support if we ever fall in trouble is there. All those things are there and they are free to everybody. But somebody's got to pay the bill. 
I call it I own some condos, uh, and it, it's it's really just hilarious um, seeing the difference in how some of them function. And one of them in particular, there are all kinds of repairs that need to happen on the building, and um, and and it is this frustrating loop or cycle that goes on. Um, and uh, and we'll you know I'm on the board for one of the condos. I'll, I'll get these uh, emails sometime. I'll get copied on them from, from the management company. And people are asking, when are they going to fix this? When are they going to do that? The the snow wasn't shoveled on my back porch yes, uh, yesterday when it snowed. There was ice. I almost slipped and fell. And when we have our meetings and we talk about all the repairs that need to happen to the building, the conversation then shifts to, we're going to have to raise assessments. Assessments have kind of been the same for like, uh, in the same range for about the last 10 years, but prices have gone up and the building is aged. We're going to have to raise assessments so that we can pay for these things or we need everybody to pay their assessments. So you person who has not paid assessments in 18 months, we need you to pay your back assessments because we got bills that's due. Somehow there's this disconnect between the things that need to be done and the assessments that have to be paid to make it happen. Church functions the same way, just like condo assessments, everybody paying their little part so that the the landscapers can be paid and the snow plowers can be paid and the roof can be fixed when it needs to be fixed and the insurance can be paid and the hallways can be vacuumed. That stuff don't just happen in the same way. Church functions the same. Everybody's got to do their part. When somebody doesn't do their part, it's felt. It's felt. Close with this. Many of us this month, we're going to be working really hard, trying to get our money in order, trying to set our plan for better finances in 2022. We're going to be doing all that work. Let me challenge you to put God first. Let, let your finances be driven by faith. Trust, trust God with your tithes. I, I, want, I want you to try it. Try, try it for a month. Try it for January. Many of y'all are doing better than you have ever done in your life. Better. It may not feel like it. That that might be that meet me at the money management sermon and we'll work on that as well. Because for some of us, we got more money than we think if we would just just budget a little bit, just just discipline a little bit. Let me push us. Try try tithing for the month of January. Try God like that. Bringing God what belongs to God. Trusting God that God is going to take care of the rest. Try it. Try it.